time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Welcome back to The Right Conversations, friends. Today, we are having a conversation all about Black mental health with Kyris Keenan Westcott. I'm very, very excited to introduce you to this person. And without any further ado, Kyris, welcome to The Right Conversations. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I, I really appreciate talking about this specific topic and then also speaking with you. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yay. Oh, I'm excited. So before we dive into to all of this juiciness, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do in the world. Oh, sure. Uh, so I uh, uh, am the executive director of paid media at a marketing firm in Philadelphia. So my daytime job is marketing and my nighttime job, I am Batman. Uh, I fight evil in Gotham City. <laughs> uh, and in, in, in the nighttime, uh, yeah, right. Uh, in the nighttime, I am a, a full-time content creator, you know, and my entire platform is based on uh, mental health, uh, mental wellness, uh, introversion, uh, I was diagnosed with um, severe uh, ADHD, uh, generalized anxiety, and um, thus uh, severe depression in 2022. And ever since then, I've just been using my platform to talk about that, uh, especially as a Black man. Uh, for those of you that can't see me, I am a Black man, so I am qualified to talk about this today. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, and so so um, I've been using my platform to you know just really try to end the stigma surrounding. Um, mental health, these mental health topics, not just for, you know, uh, black men and black women, but just for for people in general, because we're too afraid to talk about it. And we shouldn't be. Yeah, the stigmas out there in general, and it's it seems to be even larger within the black community. Um, yes. For you growing up, was that something that you were taught and and socialized into? That's a great question. So I don't know if it was something that was taught knowingly. Right. I think that, you know, within my community, it was just wasn't talked about at all. You know, um, I played sports growing up. So my coaches, you know, really weren't like, okay, so how are you feeling with your anxiety today? Like, no, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, that kind of yeah. conversation, you know, and, you know, um, tears and sadness was viewed as weakness, you know, on the basketball court and on the baseball mm -hmm. field and on the football field. Um, and on top of that, like I, I grew up, my heroes were all, you know, hip hop artists and um, athletes and my dad, and none of whom, you know, were speaking openly and honestly mm -hmm. about mental health. Right. So like, it just wasn't a thing that was introduced into my life. And, and it took me 34, 35 years to really get a grasp on, you know, what's been affecting me my entire life. So it's almost like the absence of the conversation gave you the idea and and really did per perpetuate this like this is just something we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you know, it just it wasn't. It's not something that was really taken seriously, you know, because I mean there isn't a lot of research uh, surrounding it, you know, when it comes to to you know 
black men and black women. A lot of the research mm -hmm. that people are reading today about ADHD and depression, anxiety, all of that is, you know, not really stemmed specifically in, you know, um, in black culture and in black lives. So, you know, especially when I was growing up in the 90s, you know, like it just wasn't talked about. It wasn't something that was researched. And a lot of times, you know, things that would normally be uh, diagnosed as ADHD or depression were viewed as, you know, other things in the black community by by you know by police officers by teachers by you know people other you know people in the community it just was you know diagnosed as something else you know and you know yeah. it's like okay this this kid you know he has depression that's because his father's not in the picture you know mm. like uh, and they're like oh well you know uh black men you know a lot of them don't have you know fathers that are really in their life. and like they would attribute it to that but at no point would they say oh you know there's a chemical you know right. uh, uh, Im imbalance in, in this person's brain you know what i'm saying so right. like right. it's just those weren't those conversations weren't happening oh it's so it it makes my blood boil so much you know as as a white woman and as a white therapist i i know that i have limits and blind spots and I'm so committed to doing as much learning as I can. Mm -hmm. And the more learning I do, the more I realize the gap is even bigger than I thought. And, you know, continuing to understand that exactly what you said, like all of this research that's been done and all of the the findings that created things like the DSM, which is for mm -hmm. those listening, the Diagnostic yes. and Statistical Manual, like this yes. is all based on like white men and like mm -hmm. middle-class white men and yes. anyone else who is not a middle-class white man mm -hmm. it, it was not designed like the system was not designed the 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 diagnoses were not designed the criteria was not designed with anything else in mind and it it's infuriating and so i can only yeah. imagine you know i i putting myself in your shoes i i can i can only begin to imagine how angersome and infuriating that is to just be left out of the research and then be told like oh it's it's just because of this like mm -hmm. I, yeah i mean yeah uh, <laughs> and, it, and it becomes even more frustrating like the more research that you do on it the more conversations that you have with people um that are that are in these you know underprivileged you know communities it's it's incredibly frustrating when you see you know what's happening and what's 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 suckier even more is that a lot of people are having these conversations but are unable to get the you know adequate help you know in these in these communities you know like i feel like i'm lucky now in my life where i i live in an area uh and i i have a job that you know allows me to be able to afford you know mental health care you know in my right. life but i also recognize that there's millions of people out there that don't have the opportunity that i have and you know i i see a lot of people online it's like you know oh well you know if you're depressed just go talk to a therapist like as if it's no big deal but what they don't realize is that in these uh you know underprivileged communities not only is the uh, uh, the care not the same as it would be in, in other communities, uh, it's, it may not be as quality, but that's that's even if the care is there in the first place, right? And if it's even affordable, you know. So it's 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 really frustrating the more you think about it, uh, about yeah. how it's just it kind of works against us a little bit. So when you were diagnosed, what was that experience like for you? 
uh it was a lot of it was, it was kind of like uh like various stages of of grief in a little yeah, bit right yeah um uh it was nice to put a name to to a lot of what i was feeling but it was also very frustrating because i realized after i was diagnosed and you know speaking with my therapist and doing more research on my own about it i realized that uh, the things that i'm diagnosed with the signs were there my entire life the things that i was attributing to you know being tired or being lazy, you know, procrastinating, like all of these things that I was attributing yeah. to like my, you know, work ethic, <laughs> you know, come Her to character. find out. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of that stuff, you know, it, it's not my fault, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. like legit things going on in my brain that I have to be able to manage. So when I was diagnosed, I was very frustrated and and disappointed because I'm like you're telling me none of the adults in my life were able to point anything out you know they they didn't see this they didn't understand this and I'm not just talking about my parents I'm talking about my teachers my coaches you know so like I think that was the first like step and then from there it was the sadness you know it's like I'm gonna have to live with this for the rest of my life you know, um, I, I'm one of those people. I don't think that there is a cure to ADHD. I don't think there is a cure to depression. I don't, there's not a cure to to um, uh, anxiety. I think that this is just things that we learn how to manage and we can do it in a healthy way so that we can live a, a really, really good, healthy life. Um, but I was sad. I'm like, I'm going to have this for the rest of my life. I'm going to mm. have these things. And then the last thing that I experienced was this like bittersweet acceptance you know, which is like, okay, all right, I process this. Uh, now it sucks, you know, that like I, you know, have time blindness. It sucks that I will randomly, you know, feel down for no apparent reason. But I I, I have tools and, and options on how to fight this or not not just fight, but manage it. Uh, yeah. So it's, I think that's where I am now. And, and I'm able to use that knowledge and that insight that I've gathered and spread it on my platform. What would you say to yourself as a younger person? Like if you could talk to to the little boy in you that was feeling all these things in elementary school and middle school and yeah. having annoying people tell you that it was because of all of these other things. Mm -hmm. What would you want to say to him? <laughs> it's really it's really funny that you asked this question because I literally just filmed a a, a a video for uh, a wonderful organization uh, called Somethings. And Somethings is this organization where Gen Z um, mentors can work with younger Gen Z, you know, teenagers oh, that's uh, so just cool. as, as mentors. It's it's really, really great. And uh, I they wanted me to, you know, spread word about it. And uh, I took the concept of what would I say to my younger self? Love and it. <laughs> I put some I put some funny stuff out there. Like I would say, like, you know, don't don't take that girl out of your MySpace top eight because she's gonna feel <laughs> some sort of way about it. <laughs> you know, don't download that song off of Napster. It's gonna get a lot of viruses on your computer. I'm dating myself right now, but uh, no, I'm I'm with you. I think most of the people who listen to this podcast will understand those references. So you're good. <laughs> okay. All right, I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I was making a joke out of that, and then I kind of concluded with. Um, if if I could say anything to my younger self, it would be, it's okay to open up and 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 feel the way that you're feeling. Your feelings are valid. Uh, it's understandable why you feel this way. It's understandable why you're surrounded by so many people, but you still feel alone. It's okay that uh, to go talk to somebody. It's okay mm -hmm. to tell you know your parents that mm -hmm. I feel down and I don't know why. It's okay to cry. It's okay to to 
feel the way that you're feeling because I went my entire childhood and even most of my adult life thinking that I was always supposed to feel a certain way. And if I didn't feel that way, then it's my fault and that I'm, I need to fix myself because I, I need to not feel that way. I would, I would always try to just validate. I would go back and, and validate my feelings and then try to take steps from there. That's so beautiful. And, I, you know, it's, it sounds like so much pressure on yourself. And that combined with the pressure that is inherently put on you because of our racist system, yes. I can only <laughs> imagine it is a big combination. Would you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I have this conversation with some colleagues of mine, uh, white, white colleagues of mine. And, you know, a lot of them will say things like, you know, I, I don't understand. How could you say that the system is racist? Like you have the same opportunities as everybody else. And I, and what? I always have, I know. Yeah. But it's, all, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a ignorance that's out yeah. there and that, that like that people just don't understand about when I say things like the system is working against, you know, black and brown people. I'm, I, what I mean is that, you know, yeah, you yourself may not be racist. Fine. Sure. Right. But the system that uh, various systems that were set up long, long, long ago after the Civil War, um, there a lot of those things are still in effect. Jim Crow was not that long ago. Redlining districts happening now, you know, like these mm -hmm. these things. Um, um, you know, if you think about uh, uh, buying a home in, in, in this country, you know, it's difficult for people in certain communities to do so because of systems that were set up in the past. If you look at our schooling, sometimes the schooling, uh, uh, like sc uh, budgets for schools are based upon uh, the, the, medium, the median income of that district, right? If that, if your median income is down, mm -hmm. That means that that school is not getting the books or the materials or the education items that are needed to really take things to the next level. So what that means is that I could be a star athlete, right? And there could be another person in another district that uh, that is more privileged, that is an adequate athlete, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have the same facilities, the same opportunities, the same mentors, the same coaches, that can help me become like an extraordinary athlete. But the other person has all of these resources to surpass me. They have a lot of opportunities to surpass me. And, and, and that is a system problem that mm -hmm. needs to be fixed. And we just don't, we don't talk about it that way. And it's really, it's really angersome to me. I bet. Were, were you aware of that as a younger person that no. like, Okay. Not at all. I, I, I was not aware. I, I honestly thought like for me, like playing sports, I, I honestly thought it was like just skill. It was just yeah. skill. That's it. You know, uh, but now I realize it's, it's more than skill. <laughs> it's way more than that. And there, I, I, what makes me um, sad sometimes to think about is like, man, I, I think of all the young people right now in, in like inner city schools yeah. that are geniuses. Yeah, that will never, ever, ever have the opportunity to showcase their genius, or and bring and bring good to this world to create new technologies, you know, to to be a star, uh, you know, actor or actress. Like there are geniuses within these inner city schools and underprivileged areas 
that will just never, ever, ever have the same opportunity as other people that are not as good as them. And that is disappointing. It, yeah, it's it's disgusting and ter- yeah. like it, 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 it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's I like I don't even have words for it. You know, it. Mm-hmm. I, like I said before, like the more that I learn, I'm taking um, there's a, an incredible woman who's a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Lynn Maureen Hurdle, and mm-hmm. uh, she has a group called On the Matter of Race. And there's like six different levels to it. And each level is six months long. And it is truly like, um, it's a group for white people to learn how to not be racist and not racist for anyone listening. Who's like, Rachel, you're not, no, I'm not talking (laughs) about like, I'm not in the KKK. Yes, (laughs) I understand that. But there yeah. are things that as a white woman in this world, I'm doing that is perpetuating racism and is perpetuating racist systems and is perpetuating. And, and I'm learning through Lynn and her incredible son um, who co who co-teach this, you know, how to be better and how to not do that. And yeah. learning about things like, you know, black women in pregnancy and medical care and mm-hmm. the death rate yes. among I mean, it's like all of this. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Yes, it and is. then and then to hear people be like, "What? I don't see color. The world isn't." Ra-. I'm like, "What the fuck is wrong?" Uh, I and like, that's I get my it, least favorite thing ever, ever. By the way, when when people say I don't see color, I'm like, "No, I want you to see my color. I want you to see who I am. I want you to see my background. I want you to know that I I want people to know I'm proud to be a black man. I'm proud to be." black and proud of my culture i want you to see that <laughs> you know like i, I want yes. people to see that like I, I i can't stand when people say i don't see color no see my color i want you to see it thank you for saying that because i think a lot of you know we were talking about growing up in the 90s and i think a big uh thing in the 90s was like we treat everybody equally we don't mm-hmm. see color it was right. something that i heard all the time and I don't know where it came from exactly. I don't I don't understand. I mm-hmm. would hope that it came from a place of well intention, but like mm-hmm. intention impact, it had a far worse impact than anything. Right. And you know, like you're saying, it, it's so um it erases. Yes. It just it completely erases. The honeypot is more than the products in your bathroom cabinet. It's embracing that time of the month. It's staying balanced through the ups and downs, good sex and bad sex. It's exploring, it's learning, it's plant-derived. Powered by herbs and science, the first complete personal care system to get you what you need when you need it. Check out The Honeypot at Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and on thehoneypot.co. You can enter code RACHEL20, that's R-A-C-H-E-L-2-0, for 20% off your first Honeypot order on thehoneypot.co. What would you say to someone who's like, but wait, no, I mean it as a nice thing. Come on, Kairos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say to them, uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but what you are saying to me right now is that my background, my upbringing, my culture doesn't matter to you. You know, uh, yeah. and I know that your intentions may be, you know, kind and, and good hearted, but it's also ignorant in that way. Because I, I understand what you're saying. Everybody is treated equally. Cool. But guess what? We're not. 
Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. it, it's I, I need you to see my race, my color, so that you can fully understand what is happening in this world and why and who's being affected. You know, that's like saying, um, uh, hey, I don't see I don't see you as a woman. Everybody's equal. No, I think I want to see you as what you identify as. Right. If you identify as as a woman, as a female, then I want to identify because that is who you are. That's who you want to be known as, you mm -hmm. know, and I respect that, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I just don't understand why, you know, people try to erase any of that. Like I get equality, but I feel like we kind of cherry pick when we want to talk about equality. Amen. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And mm -hmm. I hope that, you know, for anyone listening, if you are feeling any amount of discomfort right now, sit with it. Like sit with yes. that discomfort and ask yourself what it, why, like what is feeling uncomfortable about this conversation, about the fact that we're using terms like racism, that we're talking about inequality, that like what is going on for you that you're feeling so sensitive. And especially if you are a white person feeling that, like mm -hmm. look at it, please. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and join it does, a group and, like Lynn's. <laughs> right. And 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 if if you're listening and, and you feel this way, just know your your feelings are valid. I get it. You mm -hmm. know, like it, it's 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 totally okay. It it just comes from not knowing. And that's that's okay. The the beautiful thing, uh, and this is what you were kind of alluding to before, is that you could continue to educate yourself. You can continue to just honestly just listen, you know, listen to what people are saying and, and validate their feelings and then go from there. You know, it's a very fluid thing. We're still evolving. It's never going to be just like a one answer kind of thing. Like, like a, we're not going to have the answer really ever, right? It's going to be a continuous thing because that's what we as humans do. We evolve. We evolve uh, physically. We evolve our thinking. We evolve, uh, evolve our morals. We evolve the way that we view the world. That's okay. It's okay if you thought one thing yesterday and you think another thing today because yeah. you educated yourself and you understand now that's okay that's school right right <laughs> that's literally yeah. what you do every day you educate yourself in school you know so yeah. like it's okay to to have a change perception don't beat yourself up about it you know just figure out you know what you can do to further educate yourself i love that so what you know a, a huge most of the people who listen to this podcast are white. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what you think anyone who is white and listening can do to help make mental health more accessible and less stigmatized, specifically in the Black community, because that is your community. Yeah, that is the golden question, isn't it? That's the that's the golden question. Um, every answer is going to be a little bit different because every person, every person that's listening right now has a different opportunity that they could potentially present, right? Some people listening might be in the therapeutic community that might be able to, you know, speak way more eloquently about things that can be offered, right? Uh, there are people in the teaching community that might be able to, you know, offer something along those lines. There may be people in the small business community or people that support small businesses that that they can do to, to help support, you know, um, you know, uh, people of color. Like, like this is each individual person will have to put in the work. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make sometimes is 
just like being like, okay, well, what, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> just tell me what you want, right? Which is, it's fine to ask like what a person wants, but then you also have to put in the work behind it. You know, like you, if you really want to fully, not just understand it, but grasp it, that means you have to be proactive. It means that you have to search. It means that you have to challenge yourself. It's not like, like, you know, I didn't become, you know, a good uh, uh, speaker just by waking up in the morning and say, I'm going to be a good speaker today. <laughs> you know, I, know. <laughs> yeah. I had to, I had to practice, you know, I, I, I took classes, you know, I, I took a class in, in college called finding your neutral voice. And I literally, like not literally, but figuratively took a sledgehammer to my, to my throat, my voice and, and said, okay, speak like this. If you want to have a neutral voice and get rid of your dialect and stuff like that. Cause when I'm not paying attention, my Jersey comes out like, cause I grew up in Jersey. My, my new Jersey will come out if I'm not paying attention. So, <laughs> so it's just a matter of just like, you got to challenge yourself just like you would with any other, you know, task out there. So that's what I would say to people listening that are like, okay, what do I do? There's, there's a lot of different ways that you can help. I think ultimately the one thing that everybody can do is listen, right? Just listen. You may not, you don't have to have answers all the time. You don't have to respond all the time. Just listen, listen and, and, and process what's happening. Thank you for all of this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if there are any parents listening who have kids who they may see exhibiting signs or symptoms of ADHD, anxiety, depression, the, the three things that took decades for you to get identified mm -hmm. for yourself. Mm -hmm. What message would you have for those parents? Your children may be confused, but they're smart. And they can have these conversations. Don't be afraid to have these conversations with them. It's scary. And sometimes we, we as, as, as if I'm still a child, but <laughs> I just kind of reverted back to my childhood self just now. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, uh, young people, um, we, we close up, they close up, <laughs> you know, uh, because we may not know what to say, or, or it might be like weird or awkward, but still offering, you know, to listen, offering to help them, uh, you know, give them resources, whatever it may be. Have this have these conversations with them. It may be something as simple as, you know, hey, how are you feeling today? You know, and like like a genuine, not even like like anything major, just like, hey, how are you feeling today? How are you really feeling? And like I'm just hearing them out. And and it might take time, but like the, over time they're gonna become a little bit more comfortable with telling you how they feel because of how you are listening, like active listening and reacting and responding. So they're going to become, you know, way more comfortable with that. So, uh, you know, my, my platform is 87, 87% people who identify as female, right? And uh, they're all between the ages of 25 and 55. And most of them are parents. And I have similar conversations with people all the time, you know, in DMs and emails and messages, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, um, and I, I tell them all the time, talk just talk you know it, just know you may not have the answers because as parents i feel like parents want to have the answers for their kids because that's what parents do they want to you know be able to support as much as possible and and guide you know but it's okay to not have the answers and to figure it out with your kid what's best for them what do you think would have been different had you had the space to express your feelings hmm. as a kid 
you know, I was just talking about this with my therapist. This was a couple of weeks ago. And she didn't, she didn't ask that question, but I, I had brought it up. And what I said to her was this. I don't know what life would have been like for me if I had these resources, if I did open up. But in a weird way, I'm glad I didn't because mm. I'm proud of who I am today. I'm proud of my journey. I'm proud of my, my mental health adventure. I'm proud of the people that I've met. I'm proud of the things that I've discovered. I, I'm proud of my mistakes because all of these things combined have made me who I am today. Somebody that I'm very, very proud of. Somebody with highs and lows. Somebody that's freaking human. <laughs> a human being that has made mistakes. A human being that wants to learn and grow. I don't know if I would have been this person that I am today. I have no idea who I would be. Um, but I, I, I found myself um, either always dwelling on the past or worried about the future and never just staying present. And so my present self is proud of who I am. And yeah, I, I fucked up many times. Still do. Yeah, but I was like going to say, I, haven't we yeah. all? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I learn. And, and, yeah. um, and like, that's what makes it fun and, and, and interesting and, and helps us grow. Harris, thank you so much for being so open with yeah. your experience. And I, I also really want to thank you for, I know that speaking about race is, um, it's laborious. <laughs> and I really deeply appreciate you going down those roads with me today and, and taking the time and the energy um, that's required to do that. Absolutely. And 10, 10 points for that vocab word. That's an laborious is a fantastic, fantastic word. 10 points for you. <laughs> hey, thanks. I will, I will take it. I, I do, I do like a gold star. So yes, I will take that gold star and wear yes. it all day long. Thank yes, you. Yes, <laughs> you get a you get a you get a sticker today. Congratulations. How did you know that that was going to resonate? Um, so I'll put all of your information and, you know, how people can can find you in the show notes. But for those auditory folks, um, where's the best place to, to reach you? Uh, the easiest way to find out what I'm doing and all the crazy stuff that I'm up to is uh, is is my website, thevibewithkai.com. And uh, and it has, you know, links to all of my social media channels. And And one thing that people should know is that uh, I, I try to add levity to everything that I'm talking about. You know, I, I always, uh, all of this stuff is really, really hard to talk about. So I try to add a little bit of levity. Um, I speak mostly about anxiety, depression, and uh, uh, and ADHD because those are the things that I'm diagnosed with. Uh, but I often bring on, you know, mental health experts and professionals to talk more eloquently because I, like, I don't pretend to be a mental health, uh, health expert and uh, nor do I play one on TV, <laughs> you, know? So, <laughs> you know, so, so I try to, I always try to use my platform to spread the knowledge and insight of the people that like, like yourself that have this extensive knowledge and insight to go into even more detail about what tools and options people have. So uh, yeah, the vibe with Kai.com is where you can find me. Awesome. Beautiful. If you had to leave everybody with one last thing before we go, what do you want to leave everyone with today? This is simple. It's it's a quote from the musical Hamilton. And <gasps> it's from, yes. <laughs> and it's from the it's from the song Wait for It, uh, sung by Aaron Burr. And uh partway through the song, he says, I am the one thing in life I can control. 
I live and breathe by that every single day. I am the one thing in life I can control. There are so many things that are out of your control right now. But the one thing that is in your control is yourself, your feelings, what you react, you know, how you react and, and what you believe. That is on that is you. You can control that. So work from there and then everything else will fall in its place. Oh, Kairos. <laughs> I'm a theater kid grown up. So like a musical theater <laughs> reference and a gold star in our last five yes. minutes together. This is yes. <laughs> we love. We love. Thank you so, so much for being here. And everyone go check out uh kai's instagram it's like it's really fun and wonderful <laughs> and i love it and i think it's it's so important to be talking about mental health not just as professionals but for people people navigating mm -hmm. mental health talking about mental health that is just yes. as important and so thank you thank you thank you yeah, for doing that yeah absolutely that's all for today you sexy folks what questions came to mind as you were listening Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together. <laughs>